Welcome to Speak Slam and Words, episode 30. As always, I'm your host, Dave Reed, and today you'll hear from easily one of the coolest guys we've had the privilege of speaking to on the podcast. Mark Tiku, or Teeks, has one of the more interesting stories about how he got into music, but you'll hear about that for yourself. Don't forget you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash warnerchapel UK and Twitter at warner underscore chapel and on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash warnerchapel music. And don't forget, chapel is spelled C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L. And of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Cool. Mark, thank you so much for coming and speaking to us. That's a pleasure. About the world of music and what you do. Do you <laughs> want to explain what you, exactly you do? Uh, what do I do? Um, I pretty much do everything from engineering, mixing, to writing, uh, mainly producing. But my day could consist of any of those yeah. disciplines. Do you have a favourite of those? Oh God, it depends on how I feel. I'd say producing is my favorite, but that's because that's the easiest part of the whole process. Why'd you say um, that? Well, to write a song is the hardest part. Um, Cause that's, that's the creative process really distilled into just magicking something from nothing. Um, to mix a song is, has, you know, it's pretty straightforward, but it has its difficulties because you have someone behind you who's already created their vision and you've just got to make it presentable which has its you know it's, has its has its um has its uh, problems but producing is that sort of part creative part technical thing which essentially makes everything easy it's like with maths when you learn the equation you know it so it's kind of like that's it whereas with, with the songwriting vibe it's kind of like you're just all at sea and hoping that something comes out yeah. of it especially when you're writing with someone they've come to your house and you've never met them and you've got to make something amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, they're not coming back again. That's so pressure, isn't it? Yeah. So I'd say producing is my favourite bit, okay. but and I could get involved in any of it. How so. long have you been producing in in the, the new sense, in in the way that you've been producing now? For um, I, you mean how long have I, I, I professionally? Yeah, professionally, like, yeah. um, since two thousand and seven, I would okay. say. Um, two thousand seven, two thousand and eight. Yeah, around then is when I, I I started getting paid for it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I've been doing. I've been making music for years. Uh, but you know, it's one of those things you make music, and it's always something that's there. But you have other yeah. stuff you're doing. So, yeah. but yeah, since 2008, I think. What was your so. break? Can you remember? It was my break. I think my break was. I was playing. I was playing rugby. I was a professional rugby player, and uh, my break was my club going bankrupt, and I needed really? a job. <laughs> and so it gave me the sort of kick to actually do, start making some music. So I did a show reel. And by mistake, I didn't play it to anyone. I probably wouldn't have played it to anyone. It probably would have been those things where I would have just kept making it and never played it to anyone out of fear. But it went it went in the hands of an of an A and R, another label, and then ended up in loads of people's hands. And then from there, I had people interested in what I do. When you say showreel, was it what kind of music was it on the showreel? It was pop music. It was you know it's back in the days where you could actually do a demo and get signed off a demo, uh-huh. <laughs> rather than now where you need a fucking number one. Ooh. Swear, there we go. I swear like a sailor, so be prepared for that. All right, but, um, <laughs> you got the hat for it. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, basically, I uh, yeah, I, I did a bunch of songs that I sung myself because I couldn't find anyone to vocal them. And so these are pop um, songs like three minutes long, pop songs, three minute yeah. pop songs, yeah. Um, on piano, um, some of them were produced but really, really shoddily, mm. but they literally were just songs I played piano and I'd sung, and that was it. Oh, that's amazing so. that somebody then took them and passed it around themselves really yeah cool. I, was, I, mean, I was lucky I think it's part of the time I think if I did that now I'd have absolutely no hope of getting anyone interested in what I do but mm. luckily for that time it yeah. was it was you know the right thing what was the label that 
Did you sign um, the label? Well, I signed. Well, the, uh, it was all publishing labels because okay. I, I, you know, it was a writer showroom. Yeah. Um, uh, but because I sung on it, everyone was really confused as to what I, I yeah. did, whether I was an artist or, you know. Just needed somebody to um, sing on it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I needed it, but only, I couldn't find any vocalists. Um, so yeah, I had a, you know, a few guys from EMI, and the actual label that got it in their hands were Atlantic, who incidentally I'm signed to yeah. now as an artist, but that's, you know, yeah. coincident, all those guys have left now who, who were there. But um, yeah, it was Atlantic who'd got hold of the CD. Um, and it was just luck, really, it was just by chance. I did want to sign a deal, but I hadn't yeah. even thought about, you know, hadn't got around to even having the guts to play anyone anything. So, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for today's standard, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you just get yeah. very lucky. You yeah. get those opportunities fall in your lap yeah. and it's kind of like, yeah. you know. So when you were playing rugby, you also did music on the side. I didn't. You I didn't. didn't. No, so, no, no. So, 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 so let's get this right. So you were playing rugby. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you play any instruments at all at didn't that point? Didn't play anything. I didn't play a thing. It's that, that, that's, that's what incredible. made it so much so crazy for everyone who, who I yeah. told I was going to do that, because they were like, well, "You never told us you did music," and I didn't do music. It was just all in my head. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I knew I could. <laughs> that's amazing. Stupid. Um, I wouldn't advise any any kids to go to, to think <laughs> like that. But I just I knew I could somehow, and I'd always loved music. So I can't I can't believe that. That's so crazy. I think I've carried it on into my career though, because I always work best when I'm under pressure. Um, so usually like, I've just I just finished a remix for Rudimental and uh, what I do with things like that is I leave them to the very last minute because it puts pressure on me to just just do it you and do it in a certain say, way yeah. yeah and so I think part of the reason why when I got lost my job because my club went bankrupt it's kind of like well it's all or nothing so I kind of just went into it and I think I was able to do what I needed to do because of the pressure whereas if I, I think if I had the luxury of time it probably wouldn't have got done yeah. and also time means that you have too much scope to create with and then you yeah. kind of never really get anything done yeah, and yeah, yeah. pulled together and so I'm the worst like that as well yeah. I'm not I'm not particularly disciplined so I, I need to be under pressure I work well when I'm under pressure yeah. when people are on my back that's when I work well so so obviously yeah. you are musical um, but yeah. What did you do growing up? You didn't play instruments, you just listened to music? I, I, to be honest, I think it was growing up is why I'm musical. My family is quite a musical family. Okay. My mum my has always written songs and she's written hymns that have been published and, uh, oh, nice. in, and stuff like that. My sister's always musical. Released. She released actually some songs in the 90s. I don't want her to think, get angry if I say the 80s, but I think it was the 90s. Oh. She released some songs and uh, yeah, she was, you know, she was always really, really musical. And as a kid, music was everything for me. Um, listening to music. Who are you listening, listening to? to um, who was I listening to? Uh, I, I listened to a lot of pop in the. I was born in the eighties, so I listened to a lot of the the great eighties pop. Prince, Michael Jackson, Madonna. You know, that yeah. was a time of like the epic artists that you don't really get nowadays. No. Um, my teenage years were, were very different. I totally threw away music, and anything I did listen to was really underground, um, or just stuff that girls didn't listen to. So I listened to like Aphex Twin and and Wu-Tang Clan. And wow. But yeah, I listened to a, bit, a lot of Radiohead and Bjork as well. I think that's what defined the 90s for me. Mm -hmm. um, and the 80s was, was all-out pop. George Michael's Faith, that's what I listened to in, yeah. when I was a kid, and sort of defined me. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think growing up, it was mainly my sister's influence, just what was playing in her bedroom. Yeah. She was, so was she older than you? She was older than me. Yeah. Um, she's, she's in her 40s now, or she's just turned 40. Yeah, she'd be playing everything, and she'd have these briefcases stacked with music, and they'd was be it like tapes. Records or no, the they'd tapes? be ta cassette tapes, but they'd be labelled 
from one to a hundred and there'd be like three brief briefcases of tapes recorded from the radio and I'd sneak into a room and go through it and just have this wealth of music from wow. house to hip hop to pop you know that spanned the decades so I'd just be in there listening to all that and I think that's where my composition sense yeah. half of it came from um, it's, it's really know. interesting that you went from such an avid listener to having ideas in your head yeah, and then yeah. having the pressure to push it down onto like paper and as, it, as it were I think, it's some, I think it's a generational thing I think the generation before before me they would have all been consummate composers they would have you know done their time studying um, learning how. I mean I, I did actually learn how to write music as I went to a school where we were forced to so from the age of five we had to learn how to write music uh, but I was never very good at it and I was never very good at playing any instruments yeah. um, but um, I think my learning came from listening um, and another thing, I loved TV, um, like any child of the 80s. And I was obsessed with the A-Team and Knight Rider yeah. and Thundercats. And uh, I, I, used, I used to cry when they finished. I used to wind my mum up so much. And uh, obviously it's unreasonable to cry when a programme finishes because she'd, be, she'd tell me, it'd be on tomorrow, just chill out. <laughs> and I'd cry. And, how old um, were you in this? I think I would have been about two or three years old okay, around right, this time. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I think I was about 10. No, um, but... She would, she, her solution was to give me a bit of paper and she, you know, she, I was always drawing like the A-Team van or Kit, which was the car in Knight Rider. I was always drawing it. So she was like, why don't you just draw the program? So that was her solution to stop me from, so I, I'd, I'd end up making like a comic strip of whatever program I was crying about that day. And something was always missing and it was the music. So I'd, I'd realized by the time I was about five, I'd realized that whilst I was drawing, I'd have to do the score. But I, I wouldn't create the score, I'd just copy the score that I'd heard from the programme. But then I learned about timpani and I learned about orchestration. You know, and it's sort of like copycat, but then it's some, it becomes your own as you get older. And, you know, you learn how to, how to make it your own. But I think it's mainly from there. My sister and my mum making me Amazing. draw comic strips because I'd cry about programmes. Yeah. So, Were yeah. you creative beyond music? Were you doing art as well? No, no, no. no literally just, just music. I, um, I, I, I got an E in my GCSE art. Um, tried to be an artist but I was useless at it so maybe I, maybe you just weren't really uh, understood I think that's what it was yeah, yeah no my, my art teacher did hate me he actually he actually said he, he hopes I never come back to the school so uh, yeah there you go I wonder how art wasn't doing. for me yeah yeah I wonder you were talking about epic names like Madonna mm. Prince and Michael Jackson something I picked up on was you don't have that nowadays you said that yep. what do you mean by that um I I, I don't I well First off, I don't mean that there aren't, aren't artists as talented as them, because I'm, yeah, I'm sure I I'm sure they're somewhere. Um, I, but I do mean in the fact that those were very different times. And I remember, I mean, I, re I remember, you know, being five years old and watching the chart show or top, watching top, I re of pops and stuff. top of the pops. Yeah. Or, and I remember when my dad recorded, I wasn't allowed to stay up to watch it, but I remember the next day he recorded it when Michael Jackson did the 25th anniversary show for Motown where he did the moonwalk. And I think probably a billion people around the world watched that at that moment. It was one of those things where that's not gonna happen now because we're all gonna watch it on the internet. And at that moment, I think Michael Jackson was number 75 in the charts over here with Billy G before that show. He was number 75. The next day he was number one. Amazing. And it's because everyone, you know, how many people around the world saw a superstar at that moment. And I don't think we can do that now because the internet's down, we all find it when we want it, which, you know, which has its benefits. But those sort of mega stars, I don't, believe can exist anymore yeah people used yeah. to reel off albums after albums yeah and people aren't really getting past you know one or two albums no sometimes it's, it's, it's just not the world no, the, the not, world we you know we inhabit doesn't really 
I mean, it, things might change, you know, we're just at the beginning of this new cycle of yeah. working on the internet and, and it's getting better, it's, you know. Um, I actually really like the way things are at the moment yeah. for music, I think it's really liberating. Um, and there are so many bad things about the old way, but the one thing is, there isn't gonna be, you're not gonna get some bird like Madonna, who's incredibly massive, wouldn't say she's the best singer in the world, not the best dancer in the world, not even the best looker in the world, but she's huge. You're not really going to get that anymore. There has to be some sort of thing there now. Yeah. You know? It's hard, so, isn't it? Yeah. I was going to say, do you think the internet is a, a negative or a positive thing? I know there's both. probably... It's a bit of both, isn't it? I think it's it? a bit of both. Yeah. Like, you know, with everything. I think it's actually... Might be controversial. I don't know. It might, I think it's more positive than negative. I've had a few people our, gen our age and our generation. So yeah, yeah. I, I, and that's another thing. I think it's probably a generational thing. Mm. I, I did a session with um, this guy called Mike, Mike Chapman, um, produced all the Blondie stuff, and for him, it's the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. Do you know what I mean? Um, just the, the whole way the new industry set up. But someone like me, I, I like the fact that you do a song and you can put it online and you can get a reaction. And you can see that reaction people. yourself, can't you? can you? see the reaction. The numbers. The, in, yeah. In, yeah, in cold hard numbers. I think those days are gone where you sit in a room by yourself creating an album and no one knows about it and then you come out in the world and go, here I am, here's my record. It's nice. Just people are going to go, who are you? We, we don't know who you are. What, you've got 10 songs for us? Yeah. Hang on, wait, just give us one. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Let's give us a taste. You know, yeah. you got a, I think I, I like the way it is now and uh, I think we just got to get used to it. So, so writing, um, how do you feel that you've developed since those early days when you left the rugby club? Oh, um, quite a lot actually. I, it, you know, it was a real shock for me becoming a writer because it's it's a really hard. It's a hard. It's a proper craft that you have to work at. It's not something you can just. Even if you're a talented composer or a talented musician, it's not something you can just jump in and do. Now I did my. I remember doing my show. I did it all on my own. Um, how many how many tracks do you have? On the I, I think I had five on there. It was a long time ago, but I, you know, I did it all on my own, and it, that that was fine. But after I signed my deal to Warner, I had to do sessions with people, and uh, I'm not going to name any names. But the first session they gave me was probably the hardest session I've ever had in my life, um, and uh, it, yeah, it was just such a shock because obviously I have to. First of all, this person comes into your house because I had my studio in my house, and you've got to immediately connect with them. Yeah, which doesn't always happen, you know. And then you know you've you've got to you've been told something by the label or their manager, and then they've got they come to you with something totally different. So you've got to balance all that yeah. out as well. And this it was such a shock. And my first year was making those mistakes. Really, my first year was pretty much non-event a non-event of mistakes and just learning, uh, just learning the craft. What was the biggest really. thing you learned? Do you think the biggest think. thing I learned was trust your instinct and. Uh, I, I don't don't necessarily listen to what everyone is saying and don't look what everyone is doing. Um, I made a, earlier on I made a lot of mistakes being really influenced by people around me, being really influenced by what my fellow art, uh, artists and producers were doing and thinking that's really good. Damn, I need to do something like that and doing something like that and it came off as like a really rubbish mm. imitation, you know, or listening to what an A&R was saying you wanted and he really didn't want that but he told me he wanted it but you learn as you get older as you get become a producer he's telling me he wants that but he doesn't really want that he wants this so you know and he yeah. you know so what I've learned is just to do what my instinct tells me to do which is 90% right um, 
but it takes, it takes guts to trust your instinct because yeah, it's yeah. a very scary thing to do. Yeah. Especially um, with the pressures around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes guts. You, um, it sounds like you, you used the piano in the first I demos. Do. Yeah. Um, do you still write in the same way where you go to the piano? Always. Um, yeah. It's it's mainly. I used to write on bass a lot actually, um, because the bass guitar doesn't allow you to play chords, and I f sometimes find chords imprison you in in a place. That's true. Yeah. Um, and I, I was writing on piano so much when I was younger. Uh, that I needed to just get away from it. So I went to bass and it means you can just write the root notes and you, you know, it's fun as well. Yeah. Bass is really therapeutic as well. You get an amp up, just play away. Uh, but mainly it's piano. I, I, I uh, yeah, I write with chords. I try and, try and find a really good progression. Usually, you know, a loop of about eight bars. I work along that. If I find something that's really, really nice, um, I pack it away, leave it until next week. If I'm with someone, then obviously we develop it, but usually if I'm writing on my own, I just pack it away if I get a really nice, and come back to it later on. And if I feel the same way, then yeah. I make a track out of it. That's know? cool. Yeah. So, so with those eight bars you say, mm. you build a track out of that, and then you might yeah. sing on top of it with, with melody sometimes, lines? Yeah, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll have a melody line in my head and okay. I'll, I'll sing it. Sometimes I'll have a lyric yeah. and I'll put that down. Um, sometimes I'll build a whole chorus. That eight bars might be the chorus, because mm -hmm. I, I start with the chorus a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, so sometimes it can be, you know, I've, I've in fact, in fact, I've finished, like I've started doing that, that, that eight bars and then I've rung my label or I've rung the artist and gone, right, I've got the song from the eight bars because you can, you can kind of know. And because I start with the chorus, you can kind of know I've got the song. You know, it's like with my, with my uh, one of my singles that I'm going to be doing with Atlantic. That's how that, that song came about, um, where I had a session with a guy called Emanike and um, I didn't really have any material. And I really respect him in any case, right? I didn't want to bring him anything rubbish. So literally I sat down in 10 minutes. And I was like, right, let me just make another. I already had like 10 songs, but I thought, let me just make one more thing just to give myself a bit more ammo for the session. And that ended up being the single And Literally I'd made the chorus. And uh, yeah, then we went to the session and fleshed the rest yeah. of it out. But we knew we had the song as soon as we'd done it, like yeah. that, that, those eight bars, so yeah. I was gonna chat to you about that because obviously he's, very hot right now. He's he is, yeah. seems to be everywhere, doesn't he? He is. Yeah, what was yeah. it like writing with him? Um, writing with Emanike is is, diff is crazy because there are two people. There are two people I've worked with, pretty much everyone, I guess. Um, and there are two people I've worked with who are just not like the rest of us. The rest of us, we slave over this. Like we 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 you know we suffer. We go to bed and think, oh, fuck, have, have I done the right call? But there's two people. And that's Wayne Hector and Emanike who literally you go in the studio, you play them some music, and their, their, their thought process is so clear, their clarity of thought is so incredible, that they can literally just go, right, this is the song. And you'll go, oh, no, 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 they go, no, this is the song. So I've, come, I've done sessions with Emanika, I've come to him and gone, right, I've got these vocals. And he'll go, no, that's wrong. This is how it should go. And he'll do it within five minutes. And you'll be sitting there going, yeah, you're right. That's all right. He's just a genius. When he says this is wrong, this is what, what should happen. Yeah. What is he saying should happen? Is it hooks that he's saying? Is it lyrics he's saying? Melody lines everything, that he's saying? Everything. Parts of the piece? Uh, for, uh, for, to use an example, um, yeah. the last track we did, um, I'd done a day without him. I'd had a vocalist with me and we'd, we'd done the verses, sounded great, and we'd had a little hook. So we went to Uzo and we were like, here are the verses. He was like, great, perfect, here's the hook. And he just said, no, 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 we need something that's, uh, I can't remember the exact words he said, but he said, we need something that's more, I think it was something to, along the lines, we need something more punchy. This is what I'm thinking. Bearing in mind, he hadn't heard the song before. 
So he'd gone, he'd, so he'd sat there, and just like we're sitting here now, I'm gonna let it get me down. All right, write this down. If it's over, I'm gonna let it get me down, bang, writing it down. What was that thing you said to me last week, Mark? What thing I said to you? I oh, know you said a phrase to me last week. I told you to remember it. And then it's like, oh, uh, turn your sky around. Yeah, that, putting that in there. And it's kind of like, literally, I said a phrase to him the week before, and he just, wow. and I remember he told me, remember that phrase. This is coming from a, he was then an 18 year old kid. Right? Yeah, that's amazing. And, uh, and yeah, and it came, went in the song. And, uh, you know, that was a chorus. So, so, so the hook that you came up with the day before that went, went. That went. And yeah. before you'd even heard the verses. He hadn't, he hadn't heard anything. He hadn't heard anything. We'd come in and literally I just put on the track and, and sung my hook to him. And he was like, oh no, this is what we're going to do. And yeah. But he has, I think he's, I've known Emanike since he was 14, 13. Wow. Um, and I think he's just, he's been doing this since he was about 12. So I think his, you know, they talk about the neuro pathways and they get cut into your brain when you do something more and more. I just think he's just been doing this for so long. It's just natural to him. Yeah. Whereas the rest Very of us, cool. we work at it. Yeah. Some people are born to do it. I think yeah. he's, he's one of them, you know? Very cool. So yeah, yeah. more power to him. He's off to the Grammys on Friday, I think. Very nice. Yeah, he's been nominated. Which for what? For Duke de Mont, uh, 100%. Yeah. So. Cool. Tell us about your project, Teeks. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. it like writing for Teeks compared to writing for your, just, you know, an artist who's come in, a co-writer about? So much easier. So right. much easier writing for yourself. I, I think it's easier for me because I'm, I'm sure some artists will talk about how, how hard it is doing your own record. It's easy for me because I've been writing with and for other people for five, six, seven years. Um, and so I, I, and also I know the pitfalls. Um, I mean, the Teeks record is essentially a club record, a club, pop, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's, you know, it, every time we've had writers in, the, the tagline I've given them is sort of postcard emotion. Whereas the idea of, so when you get a card or a postcard, you know, it's, it's emotive. It's saying, oh, happy birthday and many happy returns. That's really nice, but it doesn't actually mean that much. It's just for that gratification at that moment or mm -hmm. something nice. This is what this record is, if I'm gonna play it down. But it's one of those things where, you know, there's, there's a track where sing that song, which is about the end of a club night, which, you know, we all, I'm sure we've all been there. And it's, you still kind of want to party, but it's the end of the night and, it's, you know, it's kind of like you still want to keep singing the song. So the song is about just carrying on singing the song, keep singing the song, you know, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, and then that's the, the idea of the record is I, I, want, I want something that people aren't going to think too much about, but they're just going to enjoy and not ask any questions. Um, and I find it really easy because I like writing on my own and I, I you know, it's, it's, so those, yeah, the material for you is yeah. one hundred percent by you. Is that or is it? Do you have uh, no, it's, it's a, uh, you know, it's a collaboration okay. for sure. Like uh, obviously, Emanike's written a lot of it. Okay. Um, we've worked together a lot on it, and um, m uh, most of the music is is my, me on my own, um, and a lot of the lyrics are me as well. But I um, I do work with people. Everything starts with me though. I, I start on my own, and I don't I don't write with anyone until the ideas are quite formed. Then I bring people in. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 it's, it's a collaboration to a point, um, but it's mainly with people who I'm very close with. The album doesn't have a lot of people on it, so Eminike and uh, another artist I worked with in the old days, Cock and Ball Kid, yeah. has done a lot of writing, and so it's, yeah, people I'm really close close to cool. are working on it. But it's it's you know, let's hope it's a smash, eh? Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm excited. When do you hope to put that out? Um, we have well, we have, I think. We actually have a track coming out very, very soon on like an underground label. Um, 
and that will be in the next couple of weeks actually but the first single proper is, isn't probably going to be until March April May sort of time okay. uh, but everything's done so yeah. we're just sort of sitting and waiting so yeah it's all sounding really good yeah. and um, yeah so it's a change yeah. it's a change from writing a song and waiting for the label to tell me if it's on the album or not because I decide yeah, it's on the album that must be so that's refreshing brilliant. right oh it's brilliant it's yeah. so liberating because you, know? you can probably go maybe even years waiting to hear if one yeah, song yeah, yeah. You, does fact, that happen I did a track once I did a track, a track once with Florence and the Machine and um, yes. I wanted it for my own record because even back then I was thinking I'm going to do a record and I just decided they never got back to me I decided oh, I'll just use this for my own record and Florence said she said I could use it so I'll just use it for my own record and it's about a year and I emailed them and was like oh by the way just to let you guys know I'm planning on doing my own record, so I I'm, I'm, might use this thing. And they were like, oh, no, 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 we're using it. This was like, I wouldn't even have known if I didn't drop them an email. So it's one of those things where it just, it's so much better than your own stuff. I decide. In fact, I have writers asking me, is my track going to be on your record? So it's kind of like, the, yeah. it's on the other foot now. I like that. Yeah, so, that is cool. Yeah. So what's the name of the record? I don't know yet. Oh, you don't know? Oh, wow. Okay. I have an idea. I have an idea of it being called a dream in sound. I was at a party the other day and some girl told me that uh, people who are uh, blind, who have been blind from birth, dream in sound. So I found that, I found that quite a- uh, That is really interesting, isn't Quite it? an interesting thing. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, that would be a good name for an album. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know yet at the moment. Okay. So the first single is called Sing That Song. Sing That Song. Um, and then the second single, which we're, we've just finished, is called Respect. Yeah, which, uh, Fear was telling us about. That's right, also both written by myself and Eminique. Okay. Um, and yeah, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That's so, cool. Is this your first record that you're putting out under your name? First record I've been doing under my name, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Um, it's a bit late, but yeah. Better late than never, eh? Sure. As they say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mark, thank you very much for speaking to it's us. It's a pleasure. That was really cool. Yeah. Absolute pleasure. So that's Mark Tiku, a really interesting guy and a really interesting talk. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoyed it. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Till next time.